really excited to preaching. We're almost done with the book of Galatians. I know, sad. Um, but yeah, I'm, su- I'm super happy to, uh, to be here and to be able to share what God has placed on my, on my heart. Um, really cool thing, really exciting thing. Um, we are in chapter 5 of Galatians. Um, so as you guys uh, find your way there, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and so on. Last week, we made it a point, or I, I should say Paul made it a point, to not use our freedom for indulging in the flesh. I know most of us have been in the church for some time, uh, so when I say certain things, you guys know them, but just to clarify, I like to define certain terms. I like to to say uh, certain words or definitions of the words just in case we don't know. When I say living or indulging in the flesh, what I mean is sinful nature, right? So anything that's kind of against God, not kind of, is against God. And Paul does us the favor of defining what he thinks sinful nature is. It's later defined in the chapter where we're going to find. Paul, in this section, clarifies what he means by a life of freedom. So I want to read first, and then we'll kind of get into it. Verse 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are no longer under the law. I want to stop right here for a moment. Because I think Paul is saying something very, very important. Immediately we see a conflict. Right away, we see a conflict. And this is nothing new. We've been studying this book for some time. So we know the Galatians, as Paul said, were foolish, right? They're foolish Galatians, as he says. But in reality, as I take a time to study and in hindsight look at what's going on in the church, what we see is division, What we see are disagreements about doctrine, about how the church should be run. I didn't know this until I started talking to other pastors and other leaders in the church. People really fight over the smallest things. One of the things that really surprised me was this, the the color of the carpet. Uh, One pastor was telling me that this whole church got into a fight, a conflict, because of the color of the, the carpet. And I was like, haha, that's funny. But you, th- you think about it, we go through divisions like this. We go through conflicts like this here in this church and in other churches. It's, it's similar to what we, we have here. And it's no exception for the Galatians, the people of Galatia. This whole letter flows. It flows like a river. So let me tell you why this is such a huge um, idea or this, this is the crux of what we're talking about. It's the main point of what we're discussing here. The church at this time had been going in a different direction. They're going in a complete different way. He even makes it a point in chapter 1 to say in verse 6, I'm astonished that you are quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ, and you are turning to a different gospel. 
So from the jump, we know that it is a big deal. It's important for us to see this as a big deal because we have the same problems today. He's talking about people in the church that are more focused on the small things, things that are insignificant when in comparison to the gospel. He calls the church to walk by the Spirit, verse 16. He calls them to walk by the Spirit because walking in the flesh leads to destruction. Let me put it like this for you. The flesh destroys unity, fellowship, and holiness. I'm going to say that one more time so we, we, can, we can get that, we can grasp that. The flesh destroys unity, fellowship, and holiness, while the Spirit produces unity, fellowship, and you guessed it, holiness. And I believe Paul is making this a big deal because it is a big deal. It's a big deal for us. A hundred percent of church arguments shouldn't even be arguments. Do you know why? Do you know why they occur? Because we're not walking with the same fundamentals. We're not walking in the same way. You see, I, I believe it could be summed up like this. We are not walking in the spirit. We are walking in the flesh. And we are all guilty of this. And Paul makes it evident to the Galatian church. They have not been walking in this manner. He breaks it down like this. Number one, verse 16. Live by the Spirit and you escape the flesh. The conflict is between flesh and spirit. He wants us to see that there is a distinction. When we walk by the Spirit, that's good. When we walk by the flesh, that's not good. It's bad. Okay? We got that? Trying to, trying to break it down for us. The conflict prohibits doing God's will. Be led by the Spirit then, people, and you escape the law. When a person, and I hope you guys can hear me and not tune me out because I know it's easy. I have a timer here because I know we zone out really quickly. So I'm trying to keep it down, all right? When a person lives in God's Spirit, he or she escapes the power of the flesh, and the power of the law. Once again, Paul connects law to flesh and to the former era. But this life of the Spirit is a battle, a battle over God's will. Those who are engaged in it recognize that the flesh and the Spirit are opposites, what I just said. When one lives in the flesh, one does not do what God's Spirit wants. Now the question for all of us here, and you're like, okay, Carlos, you're, ask, you're telling us, you know, spirit and flesh, spirit and flesh. What does that actually mean for my life? What does that mean when I walk out these doors? What does that actually mean? Does this even have any value to my life outside of church? And I want to allow, I want to ask you to allow me to try to make that point. Verses 19 to 21. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Now, I want to stop there 
Because I think this is a very, very important point to make. We look at this list and we say, okay, I'm just going to stay away from these things. When in reality, Paul is not making this uh, list of totality, meaning that he's not saying these are everything of the flesh. These, this is everything that the flesh produces. There's obviously more things. But Paul uses this list because, more than likely, these were the things that the church at the time were struggling with. These things that Paul lists are the things that the people in Galatia were struggling with. And as you kind of dive in a little bit deeper, there's kind of a common thing. Out of the 15 sins that Paul describes, eight of those things are interpersonal, meaning they have to do with relationships with one another. So we see that the people in the church were struggling with following um, with each other. They, they didn't get along, basically. So eight of those sins were interpersonal. And I, and I thought about that. I'm like, wow, you know, that's not in our church, obviously. But it's, it is. And I think he mentions this again because these are the problems that were going on in the church. But he also mentions three others. First, obviously, the one that I mentioned, social sins. He mentions sexual sins like sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, religious sins, idolatry, and witchcraft. There was people in the church doing witchcraft. Kind of crazy, but it was happening. And drinking sins, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And I think it's important for us to pause here because he doesn't do this on accident. He doesn't list these things on accident. He names them because they are experiencing this within the church. And I didn't finish the verse, but the rest of the verse says this. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. I was reading commentary on this, and um, the guy was saying, he was like, now he's sounding a little bit more like Jesus, right? Because Jesus, that was all his thing, the kingdom of God, right? So Paul is saying, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, this idea of the kingdom, as we talked about like five Fridays ago, if you were there, most of you were not, so I'm not even going to go into that. (laughs) I'm not trying to roast, I promise. Just kidding. But the kingdom of God, it's not talking about a place of, of heaven or like where we will arrive after we die. But instead, it is the kingdom of what we are now living in. You see, uh, Christ, he made it a point to always show us that we can live in the kingdom of heaven or of God. They're kind of synonymous um, now, today. And he's telling them, he's saying, if you are like this, if you do these things, You will not inherit the kingdom. You will not be able to walk in the kingdom. You will not be able to walk in the the spirit, which we're going to get into in a bit. But I really want us to, to see what he says. I warn you, as I did before, as I did, Paul, the one that we look at almost to side by side like Christ, this man He did these things before. And he's warning the church and us 
to not do like he did in the past, but now to walk in a different way, to walk in the way of the Spirit. And so he's kind of urging the church. He's pushing them in a different direction. And he's saying, you guys, it's not worth it. But instead, he says, he says, be or, or produce the fruits of the Spirit. I think we can boil it down to this. And I'm really excited to share this point. <laughs> really excited because I think it's like groundbreaking. It's not. But I think it is, right? We pursue who is right. We pursue who is right instead of what is right. And Christ calls us, his church, to do the exact opposite. Listen to this. We must always pursue what is right and not who is right. And we must never pretend this is for me. This is for Los. We must never pretend that we are always right. The problem of the Galatians, and I can, I can enter there too, the problem of the church was typically human. Egos. Egos enter into the debate between people, and before long the issue is who is going to win? Not who is right, not what is right. So these fleshly sins come about because we are not pursuing the right things. Let me put it like this. From the start, you're not in the right place. If you're fighting about what color the carpet should be, or walls, or the color of the walls should be, or if you're willing to risk it all, risk it for the biscuit, over a small disagreement, we are walking in the flesh. One does not want what God's Spirit wants when we walk this way. Don't get mad at me. It's not my words, it's Christ's words. Put that out there. Instead, and this is kind of the, the call for you <laughs> this afternoon, it is, it is life in the Spirit. The life of a person who is surrendered to letting the Spirit have complete control. The Christian, rather the, the Christian life, is a life of consistent surrender to the Spirit. Consistent, not just Sunday. Consistent surrender to the Spirit. What does that look like? What is the... What does it look like to give the Spirit complete control? And that's where we arrive to, to verses 22. And I hope you can turn there with me. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Another cool thing about studying, you get to kind of see the singular and plural. Um, before this, you know how we were talking about idolatry and witchcraft? Um, we see that in those, it was kind of like plural. So it's like um, you saw them are like kind of like singled out. Like you can have 
one and not the other. Uh, but here with the fruits of the Spirit, it's kind of shown in the Bible that it's kind of like an all-for-one deal. <laughs> so when we live in the Spirit, it's not just, I'm going to try to live out love today, but not, you know, joy. It's kind of an all-for-one deal. And I, and I like that because I think it teaches us that the fruit of the Spirit is not something that we do, but it's who we are. I think the, the Spirit of God, when, when it enters us and, and, and when we live it out, when we walk by the Spirit, it's not that we're sweating so hard to do these things, but it just naturally flows. <laughs> it's not so much that I'm like, you know what, I'm going to be kind to Josue today because, you know, that's what the Bible says. It's like, no, I'm genuinely from the bottom of my heart because the Spirit of God is guiding me this way, I'm going to be kind. I'm, I'm going to love, and I'm going to be joyful. Now, we might not all be like my mom, right? Because you know, yeah, Silvita, <laughs> she laughed. We, not, we might not all be like my mom. Uh, if you guys have ever been at any one of my soccer games when I was in high school, um, Silvita, you know, yeah, you know, cheering in the crowds and, you know, be, be all joyful all the time. Maybe we're not all like that. But there is something about Christ that brings this everlasting joy. Maybe it's not like, yeah, but it's this internal joy that we have. Not only that, but, but I love this next part. He says, those that walk in the Spirit have peace. <laughs> they have peace. I think that's, that's something for us today. In our culture, we, we live in a, in a time of anxiety, depression. We live in a time of, of all these things hammering us down, especially with social media and the pressures of society, not only in our churches, but in our life. And Christ says, Paul says, when we walk in the Spirit, the fruit of that Spirit, is peace, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And he kind of reiterates in 24 to 26, Galatians 2.20, right? Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have been crucified, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. I truly believe the reason why the people of Galatia, they were nervous. They were worried of this. They were worried about the spirit because the people thought, well, if you say the spirit, you're walking in the spirit, well, everyone's just going to do whatever they want. They're going to think that they have this freedom to the point where they can indulge in anything, that they can, they can walk in whatever manner they please. So the people of Galatian, Galatia, especially the Judaizers, they were like, no, 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 we have, to, we have to follow the law and we have to do this because this is what has worked in the past and this is what we need to, to stay true to. And if we, if we deviate from this, then everyone's going to just go out loose and they're going to be you know, filled with drunkenness and, and sexual impurity and debauchery and, and all these other things. And so their fear was, their fear was, 
that if we walk in the Spirit, no one's going to walk in the Spirit. But you see, Paul is not saying that. Paul is not saying all the rules are gone. He's not saying that. What he's calling the people to is a life that is filled and walked in the Spirit. It's not so much that the, the law is abolished, but instead it's fulfilled through Christ. And in that, we can walk in the Spirit, doing the things that Christ has called us, not because we have to, or those things make us perfect, or those things make us pure, but instead of walking in the Spirit, is walking like Christ. Because remember, when you said yes to Jesus, you said no to your flesh. You said no to yourself. And we don't get that a lot in church. Sometimes it's like, follow Jesus, give me a yes, and then do whatever you want. Walk however you want. Do whatever you want. Think however you please. Treat others the way you, you want. But that's exactly the opposite of what Christ calls us in the Spirit. Because walking in the Spirit is what? What we just read. Love, joy, all these things. And he's not, again, he's not giving an exhaustive list. It's only nine things. But he's given us examples of what it looks like to walk in the Spirit. So again, just because we walk in the Spirit does not mean we walk however we, we please. And for us to, today, if, if we have said yes to Jesus, remember, you're saying no to yourself. Because those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I think another way we can define this is like this. Whether a person has made some kind of profession of faith, yes to Jesus, whether a person had a, a charismatic experience, or whether a person endured a great deal of suffering, uh, not to say this lightly, it doesn't matter if he or she lives in the flesh. If you've, if you've had an experience with Jesus and, or, or you've, you know, endured a great deal of suffering, it doesn't matter if you're living in the flesh. One's final stand before God, Paul contends, is directly related to whether a person lives in the flesh or in the spirit. So my brothers and sisters, today, where are we walking? How are we walking? Are we walking in the spirit or are we walking in the flesh? Remember, nobody's too far gone. And I, and I love that Paul mentions that. He says, as I did before, that I'm no longer walking that way. He gives us a chance every single day, man. Every day that we have a heartbeat, he's giving you a chance to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. Now, there's battles, right? We all have battles with those things. We all like fleshly things because I think we've been lied to if, if, um, 
if people have said that the fleshly things don't feel good or, 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 or don't feel good in the moment, right? Because I think they do, right? The fleshliness of life is, is good in the moment. But again, it doesn't produce fruit. <laughs> so I don't want to lie to you and say that the fleshly things don't feel good. But what I am saying is those things don't produce life. They produce death. So walk in the Spirit. And this, of course, is only done or can only be done by the cross. You see the love that, that Christ gives. The only love, I think I have to say this again, um, the only way we can define love is through the cross. Anything else is a very watered-down version of what love is. We know love because of the cross. And I think that is what enables us to be filled with God's Spirit, which then, after that, generates the fruit of love that we can have or as it relates to others. So good. <laughs> My brothers and sisters, I want to pray for you. Um, so why don't we stand up? And why don't we pray that we walk in a way that is worthy of the calling of God. There on your screens is our final prayer, and I hope we can read this together. Or just close your eyes and, and hear the words. O God, our King, by the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, on the first day of the week, you conquered sin put death to flight, and gave us the hope of everlasting life. Redeem all our days by this victory. Forgive our sins, banish our fears, make us bold to praise you and to do your will, and steal us to wait for the consummation of your kingdom on the last great day, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you evermore. We are dismissed.